This is Abigail Favalli, and you're listening to George Fox Talks Culture. All right. Well, I'm so excited to be in the studio with two wonderful writers, both of whom I've read, but never really met in person. So I'm very excited here with Eve Tushnet, who's a Catholic writer who's written and a bunch of books. You've written novels. You've written two memoirs, correct? Sure. Or I two guess nonfiction. You, yeah, yeah, two nonfiction. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and then also Wesley Hill. How many books have you written by this time? I think I've written... You guys are amazing. So. <laughs> you guys are amazing. See, there's one there's one plug for celibacy right there. <laughs> like, exactly. The pro- production level can go up sometimes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yes, you're both celibate gay Catholics and you've not Catholics, Christians. Yeah. yeah that's it's right. okay. Maybe, maybe that was a prophetic maybe utterance. Maybe so. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly. not true. <laughs> now, Christians and you've written um, about your experiences. And so I'd love to just have a conversation about um, your stories and your writing and just see where we go from there. So I think since you both write about your stories, maybe we could start there and you can each give kind of a sketch um, of your story as a Christian um, and how your sexuality has played a role in that. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Steve? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll go first. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Yeah. This is really fun to get to chat. Um, Eve and I have been friends for a while and just met you, Abby, and yeah. excited to be here at George Fox. Um, so my faith story begins as a child. My earliest childhood memories are of hearing my parents read me stories from mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, we had these uh, series of arch books, they were called. They're each Each book is small. It's an individual Bible story. And so I would hear these stories and then try to draw pictures of them. So like, mm-hmm. you know, Daniel on the lion's den, David and Goliath, Jesus walking on the water, you know, all, all the all the stories. And so my imagination was really captivated by that. And um, yeah, my, my home life was very uh, nurturing and loving. Both my parents were very devout Christians mm-hmm. and um, took me to church from a young age. And I, I remember as a kid um, trying to make it through the sermons by drawing the images that were in the stained glass windows in, in the church. Oh, so uh, cool. I, I should go and see if my mom still has all those drawings. That's be great fun that to, you had stained glass through. windows I too. Like I did not have that growing yeah. up. I grew up evangelical and that would have been yeah. nice. Yeah. So, so yeah. And, and I did what a lot of evangelical Protestant kids do. I went to my parents at some point, I was probably around five or six and said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart mm-hmm. to be my savior. And, um, so I remember praying with my mom and, um, and I never really wandered away from that. Mm-hmm. I was baptized when I was 11. Um, and it just, I mean, there were, there were various bumps along the way and questions mm-hmm. that I had to navigate, yeah. but I never really doubted that Jesus was, um, God, that he mm-hmm. was God come among us and that he lived for us and died for us and rose again. Um, I, I knew somehow that this was the center of, of everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was, <clears throat> so I was very involved in my church's youth group. Uh, but, um, at the around 13 or 14 years old, I realized, and I really didn't have language for it. I realized mm-hmm. that I had, uh, no attractions to 
girls that were developing. Like my guy friends were talking about this new experience and I was not having it at all. Um, and instead I was noticing them. Like mm -hmm. I was feeling um, really uh, drawn to them and mm -hmm. kind of confused by it. And I had read uh, a book called Preparing for Adolescence. Um, and uh, it was a Christian book. And mm -hmm. in, in lieu of having a sex talk, my parents gave me a, a book. Was this, the one, was this by James Dobson? James Dobson, Did it have yeah. the stop sign on the it front? Did, oh my did, gosh, yeah. yes. I, that, my parents did the same thing. <laughs> that's so we funny. We should start that, a support group. Yes, oh my word. Okay, that's hilarious. But there's just like two lines about sexuality oh, in that book. It's, wow. a, it, it, um, it's in parentheses. Um, and it says, uh, some of you may be wondering about something called homosexuality. It is a condition that reflects deep problems, but it's very mm. rare and it's not likely to happen to you. Whoa. And that's all it says. It's more <laughs> likely than you think. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. And in parentheses too. Yeah, in parentheses like, too, like you don't yeah. even get your own sentence. I'm really hoping subsequent editions Yikes. change that. But that was that's my wow. uh, that was my first kind of. I remember reading that and noticing that, mm -hmm. and and that's the only thing from the book I remember. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of internalizing that message that I'm, I must reflect deep problems, you know? Oh, and, yeah. um, so I, I did not talk about my sexuality mm -hmm. for years. Like I, I didn't tell anyone, not my parents, not my youth pastor, not my friends. Um, and it was a source of real shame and frustration. And, um, uh, I, I eventually went to Wheaton College mm -hmm. uh, in near Chicago, which is, I think, very similar to George Fox in some ways. Yes, um, although they, I'm sure they would they would be like, oh, we're so much better. I mean, they're, like, they're like the Christian Harvard. Yeah, that's you what, know? We used to roll our eyes at that. You know, <laughs> My on, brother went there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm, that's yeah. great. That's great. I had a great time there, but it was it was there that I I realized, OK, this is this is not going away. Like yeah. this is not a phase. Um uh, I think this is probably going to always be part of my life and I need to find a way to talk about it. And so I, I met with one of my professors who was just, a. I think he felt he was, he was compelling and he felt safe, mm -hmm. um, because he talked so openly about kind of the raw parts of his faith. Um, he had had an accident when he was a teenager, he was riding a zip line in his backyard and he fell and broke his back. And so he was partially paralyzed from that from, you know, age 17 or something. And so he lived with chronic pain, but he also experienced depression. And he would talk about this in class. Like he would say, this is part of my life of faith, navigating these things. And I had, I'd never really heard a Christian talk about kind of being in the midst of something that you wish were different, but it's not going away. Like it's not, it's not a before and after story where I used to be this. Now God rescued me and I'm, I'm like in a new territory. So I thought. I think this is someone who will understand being in the middle of confusion mm -hmm. and, and hesitation and frustration. Um, and, you know, the main takeaway, I remember going to his office and just like my palms were sweating, you yeah. know, this is my first time coming out. Uh, and he was just unfazed by it. You know, he mm -hmm. said, he said, you're not the first gay student who's been in my office. You won't be the last. God loves you. And I'm happy to talk more about this. And that was like a revelation to me. Mm. Uh, and that kind of began the process of, of my, um, you know, finding the courage to talk more openly with my friends and eventually my parents. Um, but it was also around that time where I was really, I mean, I was, I was experiencing a call to, you know, ordained ministry and, uh, I felt called to be a theologian and I wondered, you know, how does my sexuality, fit with this? Um, what should I think about it Christianly? And so a lot of Bible study, a lot of 
talking with pastors, a lot of um, uh, research and prayer and and study and uh, sob sessions. <laughs> uh, and, and I eventually um, came to think that the so-called traditional biblical view that marriage is the union of male and female um, ordered to the the welcoming of children, mm-hmm. um, that this really is what God wants for human sexuality and that um, those of us who are unmarried are called to abstain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, all the books and all the, all the sermons at that time suggested that someone like me should want to become ex-gay uh, right. or, or be yeah. in a same-sex marriage, which I didn't feel was right. Um, and so I, I just very um, kind of, uh, I guess, boldly decided I'm going to have to write my own account of what it looks like to not be ex-gay, <laughs> yeah. but to be like gay and yeah. Christian and celibate. And uh, yeah, so I ended up writing the book that became wow. Washed and Waiting out of that. Yeah. And, so um, you're like a pioneer almost in this. He really is. That way. was the only book that I knew of when right. I was looking around hmm. for stuff. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to find another book because uh, I wanted it for myself, yeah. but I just, I couldn't. So. And that was what, 2010? That was 2010. Okay, and that that when did out. you write your memoir, Gay and Catholic? 2014. Okay, yeah, so it came it came after. Yeah. Wow. Well, you can you kind of sketch out your your story? Um, sure. And, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. So very different kind of upbringing. I was not raised Christian. Uh, I was raised more or less Reformed Jewish or somewhere in the Mm -hmm. Reformed secular Jewish hinterland. Um, And in a very progressive environment, my parents had gay friends when I was growing up. Uh, So when I had a very similar kind of early puberty experience of realizing that my friends were starting to talk about boys uh, and I was having those feelings, sort of like a mirror image, I was having those feelings not Mm -hmm. toward boys, but toward girls. Uh, It was actually kind of a relief uh, because it was an explanation for an internal sense of difference. Mm. Uh, But the explanation Mm. wasn't something that I had been taught to consider shameful. Mm. Uh, Mm. So I came out pretty early. My best friend, who was also gay, uh, and I co-founded our school's Gay Straight Alliance. Uh, And... Yeah, I mean, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned the the Dobson book. I think we all look for some other narrative to reflect kind of how do you yes. know what you are, what what mm. these feelings mean. Uh, and for me, it was actually a mystery novel called Murder in the Collective. Uh, <laughs> my sister had a big mystery collection, including these lesbian mysteries. And I was reading through one of them that I had like stolen from her uh, and got to a scene where the narrator watches this like hot Texan lady put her boots up on the table. And I was like, this is me and that girl in my English class. <laughs> so, so like a kind of not fraught, really. Yeah. Uh, coming out experience. My parents were very, like, accepting. I think it was challenging for them. It was not something that they had expected, uh, but really trying hard. Uh, And then I came to college and very much to my surprise, uh, met a group of Christians, mostly Catholics, who were able to talk about their faith in terms that really resonated with me. Uh, I did not have, people sometimes ask this, I did not have a period of kind of passing through exploring Jewish practice mm-hmm. uh, because the things that first introduced me to the possibility of God being real 
were things like the incarnation, mm. the crucifixion, the Eucharist, mm. uh, really core kind of like Christian stuff. Right. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And they, you know, they talked about the things in their faith that were important to them. I think it was really important that they never tried to have the like sit down conversation of like, yeah. here's what Jesus thinks about your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I think partly because they didn't think I would ever become Christian. Mm. <laughs> so there was sort of no pressure. Right. Uh, right. I, and yet I found myself really falling in love mm. with mm. the church. Uh, I was more and more interested when I heard them talk about uh, the incarnation and crucifixion as the union of justice and mercy. I was mm. like, I want that. That sounds mm. good. Um, and so I uh, eventually reached the point that I did want to find out more about, well, okay, like I am still gay, you know, I'll perhaps, you know, perhaps I will, uh, I think at the time I would have maybe identified as bi. bi. Mm. So like maybe I'll end up with a guy, but possibly not. Mm. Um, what does this mean for me? Mm. And so I sat down with a priest and I must have been more intimidated than I realized because mm. I did the very like disingenuous thing of like, I have a friend who is gay <laughs> <laughs> and my friend would like to know, <laughs> which I suspect he saw through. Yeah. Uh, but so I asked him like yeah. why, and I think the way I would have framed it to myself at that time, so this would have been in 1998, mm. uh, or 19, actually 1997 still. Mm. Um, why does the Catholic church not like teach that you can't have gay sex? And the explanation that this like, in many respects, very good, yeah. very gentle priest gave, was really bad. Mm -hmm. um, it was very mechanistic. It was really like the parts don't fit. Mm. And it all built to, uh, or in my mind, in my memory, it all right. built to this metaphor of, well, you have to understand that when two women are having sex, it's like if you're trying to open a door, but the doorknob is covered in barbed wire. Oh, and I was sort of looking at him like, but it's not. <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you. It's actually very different. Wow. Um, That's a bizarre image. Wow. So, but it was, I mean, it was getting at this idea of like the parts don't fit. Right. Um, but not persuasively to wow. me. My friends tried to give me other explanations, which varied in kind of mm -hmm. how good or persuasive they were, how beautiful they were. Mm. Uh, but even the really beautiful ones were not to me persuasive. Mm. Uh, so I reached a point where I was, I felt really felt myself at a crossroads of like, I love the Catholic church, like so much about mm. it truly speaks to longings in my heart mm. and real things that seem to be true in the world around me, like the creating beauty of God being visible in the physical world. Mm. Uh, and yet I like, like I want the Eucharist, I deeply long for it. Uh, I understand that, you know, the church wants you to believe and do various things in order to get the Eucharist, but I don't understand the reasons for those things at all. Mm. Uh, it's just sort of like, what do I do? The way I framed it to myself at the time, which was overly contractual, I think, was basically, which thing do I believe more strongly mm. uh, that the Catholic Church has the authority to teach on these matters, these intimate matters in my life, or that gay sex is morally neutral? Mm. Uh, and I was honestly, like, I think that I thought that in framing it that way, it would be obvious that the answer was the second thing. Mm. And I was pretty surprised to find that instead I was, I really felt like, no, I mean, you have to trust the church. Mm. Uh, wow. In the end now, I think there is a better way to, like, you can, I think it, for me still to this day, really comes down deeply to a question of trust, of mm. sort of like, mm. 
you know, I am trusting the church to give me, to nourish me with the Eucharist and also mm -hmm. to kind of like teach and guide me in the way, in Jesus's way. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the time I didn't really have a particularly sophisticated understanding of it. It was just mm -hmm. like, they say you have to do this and I have to figure out if I will sign on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. uh, so I became Catholic in 1998 at Easter. I was super stressed out. I made myself sick. Um, <laughs> it's one of the only times I've ever been sick from stress. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Having done that, so since that time, uh, I think everybody everybody's conversion story is like this, right? Like that. Then it got exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Then I, uh, since that time, I honestly have never seriously doubted my faith. Mm -hmm. um, I've never had a kind of dark, you know, like crisis mm -hmm. of is God real? Is the Catholic Church like just a bunch of stuff made up? Mm -hmm. uh, what I have had is a lot of uh, increasing awareness of the areas of my own life that were a mess, mm. and also uh, increasing kind of like, there were a lot of things that I wish I had known uh, at the time uh, directly related to gay stuff. Um, so at the time that I became Catholic, I really thought of kind of what are you supposed to do as a gay Christian? Uh, one, don't date girls to think really hard about like the theology of the church and understand it. And like, I'm not, not super great at the whole like chastity area of life and also not super great at the theology area. <laughs> so this was like, this was not great. Um, and ultimately like, I feel like a lot of stuff has changed for me in my relationship to the church and to my sexuality since mm -hmm. that time. And maybe we'll get into some of that. Mm -hmm. But one of the deepest things was that changed pretty early was that I started asking the question instead of how can I give and receive love? Mm -hmm. uh, and especially how can I give and receive love in a way that speaks to me in some way as a lesbian mm -hmm. uh, to my mm -hmm. desires to love and serve women. Uh, mm -hmm. And I came up with like answers that were to some extent interesting and cool and to some extent kind of wacky. Uh, but I think shifting to that question was probably yeah. pretty transformative to me and not one that anyone around me knew right. to encourage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, maybe I'll stop there. Maybe we'll. Yeah, no, that's actually, that's a great, I think I would like to get into what you were just talking about. Like what now, I mean, your book was written 10 years ago. Your memoir was written seven years ago, but you've been Catholic for you know, 20 years now, over 20 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't do math. I guess that's true. <laughs> like 20, almost yeah, 25 now. Yeah, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious how, I guess, the, the kind of, the longer road into this, like what that looks like mm. now. I mean, is it, I guess one question is, do you, do you still both feel really settled with this question about sexuality or is it something that's still kind of open for you that you're kind of still discerning whether or not that, the kind of traditional Christian teaching is, holds the truth? Or I guess what is the kind of questions or mm. things that matter to you now, mm. right? Because it seems like the conversation gets caught on mm -hmm. that question. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of interested in like what's what's down the road from that. But mm -hmm. so yeah, what's, go, what's going on? And what I guess what have you learned since writing those books about um, how, to, how to live as a gay, mm. gay Christian? Mm. Well, I mean, picking up on what Eve just said about kind of shifting the question mm -hmm. to... Um, you know, you, you, I spent a lot of my 20s kind of looking at scripture and theology and becoming pretty convinced about what I was not supposed to be doing sexually. But 
um, I remember reading your blog as a as a grad student. Um, this was when you were still at Blogspot, I think, before you'd gotten to Pathios. <laughs> um, but you the were talking a lot flood. in those days about friendship, and mm-hmm. you were uncovering the history of of friendship in the in the Christian world as a as a history of you know fiercely loyal commitments to the point where you know same sex friends chose to be buried next yeah. to one another. You know, and um, and this was all new to me. And it really began to open up in me the space to ask the question, okay, I know what I'm not supposed to be doing, but what am I called mm-hmm. toward? How, how, how am I called to give and receive love? And uh, I think that's still my question. So I've, mm-hmm. I've lived, uh, I turned 40 this year, and I, li- I have lived with um, a married couple and their two children, who are my godchildren, wow. for the past um, eight years. Um, and uh, we have a mortgage together. We, oh gosh, um, we so share meals together, you know, and, um, we pray together. Um, so I think, I think my question has not, I don't worry so much anymore about the sort of biblical exegesis. I mean, Mm -hmm. I still have lots of thoughts about that, but it's more about like, how can I, Mm -hmm. how can I find this place where I am, you know, in this family, a place of, of flourishing, Mm -hmm. you know, where I serve and, and receive gifts in return. So it's really become for me, a, a question about community. You know, what does it look like to, right. to, um, yeah, to live as a single person, but not an, an isolated person, right. you know, someone who's, who's, um, in a pretty, pretty robust community. Yeah. So how did that, that arrangement come about? So I moved to Pittsburgh to take a job, uh, mm-hmm. teaching at a seminary and, um, Aiden, my housemate was a student at the time. He's a couple years younger than me. Um, and we, we just sort of hit it off right away. And then I met his wife, Melanie, and and we hit it off uh, <laughs> too. And it's one of those friendships where we just felt like we'd known each other for a long time, you know, and we started having a weekly dinner and that turned into like twice a week dinner. And, and um, yeah, so it just, it, it kind of developed organically. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of seminary, I asked them if they would be willing to stay and, and move in. So they moved into my house and this was before they had kids. Um, and now we we sort of bought a house uh, together, and and the kids are now five and two. So, yeah. yeah. So th- that's one thing I'm really interested in um, about the different possibilities of community and community structure, especially in the church, because sometimes I I think that, um, especially I guess in in the kind of evangelical orbit, there's so much emphasis on marriage, like mm-hmm. everything centered around marriage, mm-hmm. right? And there's kind of this thought that. Like everyone gets married, and but if you don't, then it's just kind of sad, yeah. you know. And, yeah. yeah, and then we don't really know what to do with right. you, right? right. So, right, um, and you would think that that Catholicism wouldn't be as much that way, but I think there's still that sense as well. Even though we have such a rich history and tradition of marriage almost being like you know the number two spot yeah. here, you know, where celibacy yeah. is like yeah. the real deal if you can hack it, you know. But <laughs> it seems like, and then there's this broader problem, I think, in American culture that's just very focused on romantic sexual love as like the pinnacle of yeah. all love. Yeah. So I think that feeds into it, right? That kind of shapes Christianity and our yeah. culture a bit too. Like we, I think we idolize that relationship sometimes too much or we put too much on yes. it. Um, but so I wonder if you, if you have thoughts, um, about different ways of living in community or even that idea of avowed friendships and that mm. tradition. Um, I don't know if, if Eve, you want to talk about that. Um, sure. It sounds like something you know about. Um, yeah. Uh, so when I started asking the question of how can I give and receive love in a way that somehow like speaks to me as a gay woman, um, 
I did look at friendship and really thought, asked myself, how can I deepen my friendships? Mm. Uh, mm. I also looked at other stuff, and I think it is important to say that there's other ways of life, other mm -hmm. walks of life out there. Uh, in my first book, Gay and Catholic, I have an extended quote from Tim Otto, uh, who lives in an intentional community in San Francisco, about his life in as a lay celibate, in, who's committed to community mm -hmm. uh, and to service to those in need. Uh, and I and there are like lots of models, right? I have a lot of friends who have found other ways to give and receive love. Uh, and most, you know, most people's friendships most of the time are going to be kind of like normal friendships. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say it was life changing uh, to discover the history, uh, first the history yeah. of same-sex friendship in Christian communities and the fact that there could be vows and mm -hmm. kinship formed through these friendships. And then like slowly to see that reflected in scripture mm. and to see, in fact, like there's same-sex love in scripture yeah. Yeah. that is presented as beautiful, holy, devoted, very emotionally rich with practical obligations that mm. people committed to. Mm -hmm. uh, can you actually, can you yeah. say more about where, where you see that in scripture? Yeah, I mean, so there's sort of like three major examples. Um, David and Jonathan in First and Second Samuel, who literally make a covenant mm -hmm. uh, in terms that are intelligible within their culture. Uh, and in my opinion, there's a lot of deep theological resonance mm -hmm. in that commitment uh, that they make to one another in that mm -hmm. covenant. Uh, I talk about this a little in my new book. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also clearly very emotional for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Jonathan... The, the Bible says Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul yeah. of David. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when Jonathan dies, David gives this extraordinary lament for him. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also had practical, but practical slash spiritual implications in that Jonathan's very intense. Inter so interestingly, although Jonathan is the prince, the son of the king, you and so you would expect David to be the one who's excited mm -hmm. to be in Jonathan's mm -hmm. family. It's exactly yeah. the opposite. Jonathan yeah. is like, I want my children to be in the house of David. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's what happens uh, mm -hmm. later on. Um, so David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi in the book of Ruth, who make these very practical promises to one another that are again, uh, Ruth, Ruth pledges to her mother-in-law, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. So both kind of like prefiguring the grafting in of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. uh, this is how Ruth becomes one of the foremothers of Jesus. Mm. Uh, she becomes part of the Hebrew people, not initially through her marriage to Boaz, mm. but actually oh, yeah. through her love of Naomi. Yeah. Uh, and it's a list of promises that are map surprisingly closely onto the historical models that we have from later Christian history in the West. Um, where friends would pledge to share a common person, a common table. So they would live together where you go, I will go. Uh, and they would sometimes incorporate, uh, they would sort of like take, take vows or promises before the Lord. So there's a book called The Friend by Alan Bray, which I recommend to anyone, anyone mm, interested okay. in this. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, it's a history of friendship in England uh, from, I want to say the year 1000 up through. I think that's right. Through. The death mm. of Cardinal Newman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he gives you these images of men going to the church steps, taking vows to care for one another, to care for one another's children, to have masses said for the soul of whoever dies first, 
uh, they exchange the kiss of peace on the church steps, go in, hear mass together, and receive the Eucharist together. Wow. And this is kind of like the ritual by which they pledge to become kin. Mm. Uh, this actually seems to track fairly nicely on the model of Ruth and Naomi. Mm. Uh, although they were already kin in some ways, this kind of cements them and gives a model for what they're looking for. Um, and then uh, Jesus and John, the beloved disciple, where again, mm. there's both unusual emotional intimacy yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and also kinship uh, on the mm -hmm. cross when Jesus says to John, behold your mother, and then to Mary, behold your son. Mm -hmm. uh, he gives them to one another and they're united in kinship through John's friendship, John's friendship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So this is like a model of Christian discipleship. Mm -hmm. Mary becomes our mother because mm -hmm. Jesus is our friend. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of really deep stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. One other thing that it is, is family making mm. within virginity. All three of these people are virgins uh, <laughs> and uh, forged on both a mother's love for her son and vice versa and the love of two mm. same sex friends. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Uh, so those are kind of like, so like, I would say mm, you were asking kind of like, how much do you think now about the mm -hmm. teaching, about the truth yeah. of the teaching? Mm. I like, it's still for me truly taken on trust and about mm -hmm. my relationship with the church mm -hmm. uh, and kind of like trying to have an obedient relationship where my life is in harmony with the church, uh, mm -hmm. with the church's guidance. But I will say it has been uh, helpful to, to realize that the model in which uh, sexual and marital love is the province of a man and a woman, but same sex love is real and good mm -hmm. and holy and beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that that's reflected in scripture. Mm -hmm. That's been very helpful to me and kind of like, what's what I'm looking for, made it easier to trust. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then it's not just this no, right? right. There's, it, there's a yes to it. Like there's this invitation into love. It's not just this, you know, I'm sorry, you, you just have to say no to love. Exactly. Um, and there's a greater sense of what is the purpose of these longings. Mm -hmm. uh, like obviously this is, you know, Mm, lots of people who have heterosexual longings aren't supposed to get married. That isn't actually mm -hmm. the path that God mm -hmm. has for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And similarly, not everyone who has uh, any kind of deep longing for same-sex love, intimacy, mm -hmm. sex, whatever, uh, is going to end up in a committed uh, friendship or what have you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that knowing that that's a possibility really does reshape people's relationship mm -hmm. to their longings. Mm -hmm. And makes it, I think, easier to ask the question of uh, how is God asking me to express these things yeah. uh, as opposed to extirpate them. Even if the answer is not, like, mm -hmm. you can have everything you want except sex, mm -hmm. which I think is probably the wrong way of looking at it. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on what, what he's been saying? Uh, just deep resonance. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, I think, so I, I ended up writing a kind of follow-up book to Washington Waiting called Spiritual Friendship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of kind of angst and loneliness in Washington Waiting. And mm -hmm. I tried to, I tried to say more in Spiritual Friendship about what I think we might be called towards. And a lot of that was drawing gratefully on your work, Eve. So mm -hmm. yeah. So I resonate very much. Yeah. I'm really excited to read, read your all's second books because mm. I've, re I've mm. read, I read your memoir, I think, two years ago, and mm. then I've been reading Washington Waiting. And um, it's fun to read them together because they have such different vibes. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, Eve's yeah. so funny and yes, she's kind of, yes. like, you know, a it's little a bit snarky, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then I think there's just something so, like, beautiful and mm. raw about the fact mm. that you're like, yeah, this is mm. 
you know, there is something angsty and yeah. kind of soul searching about it. That's, that's very beautiful. So both the books are, they're very different, but they're mm. both really powerful. Mm. I think, I think one of the things that even I've talked about is, um, we're just grateful that there's so much more now. There's so yeah. many more voices, so many more books being written. I think of like Greg Cole's book, single gay Christian. Hmm. Uh, I think of, uh, Bridget Eileen Rivera's recent book, heavy burdens. Like people are finding their voices, you know, gay Christians yeah. are finding their voices and trying to explore, uh, not just friendship, but hospitality and community and, mm-hmm. um, artistry. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in like, um, what the scene's like, I guess, <laughs> the, the celibate gay Christian scene. I don't know. Is it, is it a real small world? I mean, it sounds like maybe it's, it's growing. Mm. Um, but I'm also curious cause you're, you're almost in, you kind of, there are like these two communities, right? There's like the LGBT community mm-hmm. and then there's also kind of the Christian community broadly mm-hmm. construed, right. And the ways in which those overlap. So how has it, how has it, like, do you find acceptance in both of those communities? Like are, in other words, I, I don't know. So just to give a little bit of context, I guess, like even, you know, you're both on campus here cause you're speaking and, you know, we've gotten a few complaints, right. Mm. Which, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, we've gotten a few complaints, which I expected to, um, mm-hmm. just because this topic is so fraught. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that there are complaints from kind of both sides, so yeah. to speak. Right. So. Yeah. There are some who are like, oh, it's threatening to gay students to have, you know, someone here who, you know, yeah. even though you're both gay, yeah. right? And, yeah. you know, you're this isn't like an ex-gay thing, right? Sure. You're both very, like, accepting of your own sexuality. and mm. um, But then there's also a threat that, like, oh, you know, these are Christians who also say they're gay. Like, that's somehow threatening, right? Yeah. And so I'm kind of wondering yeah. just what is it like to navigate both those communities? Like, have you, is that really hard or do you um, do you find acceptance or how do you find acceptance, I guess? Um, I mean, I'll say I feel like so when I became Catholic, I did not know anyone else who was gay, who was trying to mm-hmm. live in harmony with the church. And I didn't really know of anyone either. Uh, and I will say I think I made a lot of mistakes based on that. Uh, I talk about that a little bit in the new book. Um, I, On the one hand, I feel very at home uh, in the small but real uh like gay i don't know trad christian community <laughs> gay trad, um, I, love it. I love it um i mean that has different connotations yeah, but, does, uh, i know but right. uh this is like i don't know i don't quite know how to put it uh what the best term is hmm. um but and i try to and i like i have friends who are at lots of different points mm-hmm. on the spectrum of mm-hmm. belief a lot of gay friends who are at like mm-hmm. basically you know, many different, <laughs> often quite fraught relationships yeah. with the church mm-hmm. or uh, with faith. Um, and yeah, I don't, I mean, it seems very individual. I don't know. I feel like I'm really rambling. Um, I guess the main thing that I would say is that I wish that someone had said when I became Catholic, like continue to listen and believe what Mm. gay people are telling you Mm. because your experience of the church is the minority one Mm. where the church has been very like gentle and welcoming and loving to me. 
uh, and people have not been creepy and weird for the most part. Um, Except for the the doorknob. The, that's right. The barbed wire on the doorknob. Yeah. But, you know, but like I don't have a lot of the baggage mm. that most mm. most people who, who are gay who grew up Christian mm. that I meet have. Mm. And I wish somebody had said to me, like, look, pay attention to that when people say that to mm. you and try to mm. be more of an advocate and less of a sort of like, I don't know. Don't take on authority that you don't have because mm. your experience has been mm. in some ways incredibly hopeful. Like the church mm. could right. really be like this. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. other ways that does, there are things you can't know. It's like a privilege, right? It's, it's it, it puts blinkers on, blinders on you mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think similarly to you, Eve, I, I have gay friends who are kind of all across the mm-hmm. ideological and theological spectrum. Um I think I personally have experienced more a more fraught relationship with my fellow conservative Christians mm-hmm. than I yeah. expected to necessarily. And that's been an ongoing source of frustration and, mm-hmm. and um, grief, honestly. Um, I've even I've both been part of a, a conference called Revoice uh, mm-hmm. for the past, I think, four years, um, which is kind of hard to believe. But. Um, at the least, first, uh, yeah, exactly. Conference exactly. for LGBT and same-sex attracted Christians who accept uh, that marriage is between man and woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need we do you do need like a shorter catchphrase. <laughs> I for know, that, right? I really, <laughs> and I hate all of them because they I focus know. on the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess the closest is side B, which I don't love yeah, well, either. Oh, yeah, you know? I was, was going to um, ask you about. That. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the at least in my kind of corner of the church, there was such a conservative. Um, kind of, I don't know what the word would be, backlash, criticism mm-hmm. of it, it took me off guard. Yeah. And it made me think maybe we haven't made as much progress mm-hmm. as I thought we had. Um, so I, I continue to to wonder about <laughs> what's going on there. What, what are the... What are the anxieties that are being raised? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think some Christians are are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm willing to say I'm gay mm-hmm. because it sounds like I'm sort of making my peace with a an orientation, a temptation, a movement that is that is out of step with, mm-hmm. you know, traditional Christian teaching. Um so yeah, yeah, I I don't always feel warmly accepted in trad circles, you know, <laughs> or, or conservative yeah. Christian circles and I um yeah. But do you get I guess do you get similar suspicion from the other side? Like, you know, when you I don't know, just from gay people who aren't Christians at yeah. all. But like, I feel like there aren't really sides in that way. Yeah. You know, it's so individual and based on people's yeah. own convictions about how you relate to someone who differs from you in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least I have found both mm-hmm. in kind of like gay dissenting or progressive worlds. Mm-hmm. And Christian worlds, it's less about where people stand on stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah. more about how they relate to the person, how they in general relate to people who are on the other side of Yeah, that. that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally have experienced much less um, kind of criticism and opposition from more progressive folks. Yeah. But it could be that those are not exactly my main circles either. Yeah. Okay. Because so, aren't you... You're, are you ordained? You are so ordained, I'm, right? So I'm, I'm a priest in the Episcopal Church. Okay, which yeah. is an affirming denomination, It right? is, it yeah, is yeah. But yeah, you haven't had yeah. problems with that? Yeah, or... and I don't know if that's because I'm gay. Like, there's a, there's <laughs> a certain... You get let off the hook Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that if there's a recognition, like, I... I had to kind of struggle yeah. to get to these convictions. You know, mm-hmm. they're not they're not um, something I just embrace lightly. Right, yeah. 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 
Well, that I don't know. That gives me that gives me hope. I think that I one of the one of the things that I that troubles me so much just about this whole conversation is how divisive it is mm-hmm. and how real people get caught in the midst of that division mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. communities get split. I mean the the denomination that George Fox is associated with just split over this question, oh, right? you know, okay. a few years ago. And it was, it was really devastating for a lot yeah. of people. Right. So yeah. the question of like, how do we have hold community together, even in the midst of disagreement is one that I, that I think about a lot, because I would yeah. think that especially that you all would like that, a, you know, a conservative Christian would enjoy hearing from you. Mm. And also, mm. you know, a student who is, gay and you know kind of mm-hmm. has more of a progressive view on mm-hmm. that um but unfortunately it, it just seems like there's so much fear mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um one anyway. one analogy that i've found helpful both for my own clarity of mind and sometimes for other people is uh religious difference difference between the mm-hmm. churches mm-hmm. that because and i think this came to me because i was not particularly like convinced by a set of arguments or reasons mm-hmm. but I'm trying, but like my, the way that I sort of understand my sexuality comes to me as part of my relationship with the church. Uh, And so it seemed to me like, look, I really obviously do not believe that Lutheranism is the correct response to the gospels, (laughs) but like no one thinks it's weird Mm -hmm. if I'm volunteering at a pregnancy center with Lutherans Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or if I'm like friends with Lutherans, (laughs) (laughs) even though I actually think that like the the differences are very important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like people died, right? You know, but now in America, right? It yeah. seems normal to think of ourselves yeah. as overlapping as well as differing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And even in terms of people who are Catholic, who descend from the Catholic right. understanding of sexuality, I can't say we both have a relationship of love with the church and we yeah. can talk about what that means for each of us. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe I'll try to give my defensive obedience as mm-hmm. part of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe the other person will agree, but have caveats in this mm-hmm. area. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's there's so much overlap, right. even though there, because we are all trying to have a relationship with Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, I'm, that's why, that's why I'm so grateful to both of you for, writing and speaking and being willing to talk about your private lives and write about your private lives. You know, um, we were chatting just before we started recording about how all three of us have written about our lives. Like all three of us have written memoirs and, you know, my history is obviously different, but um, sexuality is a big part of it. I had yeah. <laughs> probably because I read that same book that you did. Da, 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 da. So I had a lot of, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The stop sign. Like that was basically my sex education right there. Um, so I, I definitely had a lot of wounds around sexuality mm. and a lot of deeply internalized shame. And mm. anyway, so that's also been part of my kind yeah. of working out of faith. And um, But it's also, it's so important to write about this stuff because yeah. there's, there's no human being you know, who the, the question of sexuality doesn't touch in some way. Right. Right. Like, right. But it's also so deeply personal yes. and so fraught. Um, so how, how's it going? I guess. <laughs> like, do you ever regret kind of being like, Oh wow. I'm, I write about my sexual identity for a living or kind of putting yourself out there so often. Um, yeah. How do you navigate that? I think by writing and speaking on this so often. I'm asking for a friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, okay, I'll say this. And this will maybe start. I don't know that this is, you know, 
all that I maybe. Um, uh, I think that there are, for me, kind of two things. One is the stuff about my own life, mm. where I actually think it's fine to be a professional homosexual. It's fun. Um, <laughs> you meet cool people. <laughs> you do uh, meet cool people. <laughs> and the other is that your story inevitably touches other people's mm. stories. And mm. there, I have tried pretty hard to be protective. Mm. Uh, and I think that's really necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. I think that that's true for most people who are in that like professional homosexual world <laughs> uh, to try to protect both, mm. you know, our, mm. our families uh, and, yeah. and the people who uh, we link our lives with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm really kind of wrestling with this at this point. I don't regret writing mm -hmm. my books and and I would echo everything Eve said about I've met some of the coolest people in my life because I wrote these books yeah. you know and um but I I I was speaking recently and I was giving a talk that was roughly you know how I came out and mm -hmm. um kind of how I ended up writing Washington Waiting and it, I sort of I, I it was almost like an out of body experience mm. I was watching myself say these things and thinking I'm just kind of going on a script here yeah. and I'm not I'm not talking honestly, on purpose about kind of what it's like now, right? you know, at this, mm -hmm. at this very different phase of life. I remember re reading a quote on singleness years ago. I wish I could remember the, the name of the author, but she said, singleness has seasons mm -hmm. and being single at 30 is a very different experience than being single at 50. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, I think that's very true. I mean, I'm in a very different place now mm -hmm. than when I wrote Washington waiting. And I think, I think part of my, um, my sense of my calling as a writer is that I want to I want to try to find whether there's something that I have been given to say now. Yeah. Uh, that sort of is not is not the same as what I said, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's an open question for me. Hmm. Well, I think you should listen to that, that voice that's sort of nudging you. you in that direction. <laughs> right. Because it does seem like that that phase of the journey is also something that needs to be kind of spoken yeah. into. Yeah. And honestly, like not that this should be the you know what's what i'm looking for this doesn't mean that it's necessarily for you to do right but the community right. is so hungry right. for it right uh because right. so many yeah. of us for many reasons including in my opinion the aids epidemic yes uh which took the lives of so many people who would at this point otherwise be gay elders exactly. in one community or wow. another exactly exactly uh some of those people will be our elders yes. right mm -hmm. yes. uh but because of that uh, so much of the writing and speaking in the community, including ours, is yes. done by people who are pretty young. Who are pretty young, yeah. The exactly. phrase that there's a blog called A Queer Calling by two people in a celibate partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, and they use the phrase a lot, uh, building the plane while you're flying it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Hmm. I, I I mean, you know, you said you were 40, so I feel like you don't have to be a gay elder yet. <laughs> that's right. But maybe like, a, <laughs> but still, that is, that is such a good point. Yeah. yeah. But it is true. I mean, both both of your books feel like they're at the beginning yeah, of a exactly, story. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's sort of at the beginning of different stories. Exactly. But yep, that's right. That's right. Eve wrote the foreword to uh, Washington Waiting is now in a second yeah. edition, which is really cool for me. But I remember somewhere in the foreword, you say, this is a young man's book. Mm -hmm. And it very much is. I mean, it was written, yeah. you know, in the heart of my 20 something angst. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I mean, people might think, oh, well, this, this is the, you know, it's kind of like writing about a marriage, not in the first, mm -hmm. you right. know, the honeymoon period, right. but exactly. like after that 10 year stretch <laughs> exactly. when you're just kind of in the thick of it. But right. I don't know, because I'm kind of there at that point yeah. too. It's like, yeah. that's, this is actually what I want, yes. you know, to hear about. Yes. And, um, even, even conversion narratives, right? Like I'm, let's see, I wrote mine when I was, I don't know, maybe like 
four years in and it's been mm. like four years since I wrote it. And already mm. I'm like, wow, this is, yeah. it's not like that's not true anymore. Right, right. But, but I, you know, I haven't been on the, on the circuit as long as yeah. you have, but there are times too, when I'm like telling my conversion <laughs> yeah. story and it's just kind of like this, rah, 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 yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like play you the track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, it's something that kind of blossoms and mm -hmm. deepens as mm -hmm. it, as it goes on. So mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I feel hungry for that, that kind of deeper wisdom mm. myself. Too. Yeah, and especially in a community that is not geographically rooted. Uh, yeah. Every book, I feel like, opens doors. You meet yeah. different mm -hmm. people because of the books That's that right. you've written and That's learn right. more from them about what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me. And um, I, yeah, I really hope this conversation opens um a wider audience for your works, which I'm, I'm just very impressed with. So yeah. can well, I say, I hope this is okay. Uh, if anybody would like to get in touch or be connected mm -hmm. to communities, uh, mm -hmm. of gay, LGBT, same sex attracted people who are trying to kind of like live in harmony with the traditional teaching. Uh, I answer all my email eventually. That's uh, amazing. That sainthood right there. I like know, that, right? Yeah, exactly. Put that in exactly. the <laughs> file for canonization. Just because I think people are like, yeah. people really don't know where to connect. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm at eve underscore tushnet at yahoo.com since I am a trad. Do yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've just, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a really helpful yeah. resource. Well, it's a pleasure to talk. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank yes, you. Thank you. This has been a production of George Fox Digital. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the George Fox Talks podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts on your phone or computer. You can check us out on the web at georgefox.edu talks, where we have videos, publications, and more. And you can also find our playlist on YouTube at youtube.com slash georgefoxtalks. 